Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast exists because of the paid subscribers at decodingtv.com. To support the show and get ad-free episodes and early access to episodes, become a paid subscriber at DecodingTV.com. Thanks to everyone at Decoding TV who makes this podcast possible. Once upon a time, there was a milkman. Charming, devilishly handsome. You know the type. Well, he was an outsider. Then one day, a miracle happened. <gasps> he was invited inside for no reason other than to have a beer with a mysterious, mildly intimidating little white lady. Ta-da. Fair enough. We get a lot of milkmen coming around here, but none have come more than twice. You, on the other hand, have come dozens of times. You're consistent, reliable. You got us all at ass. Boom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast. I am David Chen. I'm Patrick Lopic. Each week, This Week in Streaming, we'll cover a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We'll tell you if it's worth watching, and if it is, we'll review and spoil and discuss the entire season of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing the first five episodes of Twisted Metal, a new streaming TV series that's available right now on Peacock. It was developed by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Michael Jonathan Smith. If some of those names sound familiar, it's because they were some of the folks that worked on Deadpool as well as Zombieland. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, Twitter, threads, Instagram, TikTok, at decodingtv. And I want to let people know what the schedule is. So today on the podcast, we're going to give you our overall thoughts on Twisted Metal. Uh, and then go into some amount of detail on the first five episodes of the show. Covering the first five episodes of the show. Now... As we will soon discuss, five episodes is probably more than enough for most people to watch of this show. <laughs> uh, there's probably no need to cover more than five episodes, one might argue. Uh, and when I voiced this possibility to Patrick Klepek, Patrick said, I need to finish what I start, David Chen. And so <laughs> uh, we are going to be covering the first five episodes on today's podcast. And then next week, we'll be covering the final five episodes of the first season uh, it's not too bad. You know, each episode's only 30 minutes long. So it's like the whole thing's five hours long. And I knew I would have fun talking about it with Patrick Klepek. So here we are talking about the first five episodes of Twisted Metal streaming right now on Peacock. So before we get into detail about what is actually going on with this show, what the plot of the show is, let's start by talking about our overall thoughts. Patrick Klepek, what did you think of Twisted Metal? And do you think... People should watch it. <laughs> I I knew I was going to have to watch some amount of this show, regardless of where the critical consensus or personal me, Patrick consensus, fell on it. Twisted Metal is a franchise that I have a long, deep 
history with. It is one of those games, like the first and second games, especially on the original PlayStation, that I spent just an enormous amount of time with my brother, one of my best friends. Like, I can't tell you specific stories about what we did. I just know when I think about that game, I get like a special feeling inside because of the amount of time that was spent with people who are important to me in my life playing this game about cars shooting rockets at one another. But it like, you know, it came at that age where um, you can have a sort of formative memories and emotional attachments to media, even if you can't even necessarily articulate what, what was it about that thing that you were so attracted to, which is sort of the thing that comes as you get older and sort of can, can kind of bridge that gap intellectually with the work that you're engaged with. And so let's pause there for a moment, right? Let's just talk a little bit about that. So I'm actually in the same boat, spent a lot of time playing twisted metal on PlayStation one, but the real revelation to me was playing twisted metal black. Yeah. Which I believe came out in 2001 on PlayStation two. I spent, I'm going to say conservatively 50 hours playing <laughs> Twisted Metal Black. Like I loved that game and uh it it holds a very special place in my heart. If you've never played Twisted Metal, basically what it is, it's uh it's like uh, I I'll describe it as uh like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter but instead of people fighting it's cars that are tricked out with a bunch of weapons on them. So uh you can play as different kinds of characters and they have different cars and the cars have like different uh weapons so like one car might have rockets or one car might throw out bombs or one car might shoot out electricity right and so uh each car has special powers and you basically run around you blow other people up using the cars like that mm-hmm. that is most of the game right uh and so it sounds like for you and me patrick this is a very formative video game uh, and and the, one that holds a special place in our hearts, and um, and one who we're probably somewhat interested to see how it'll be adapted into a TV show. Well, well right, because it it is Twisted Metal is a franchise in the game, the world of video games. You're right, is an offshoot of fighting games. Um, you know, it was there was this subgenre was popular enough at the time that it had its own subgenre called vehicular combat, and so you had games like Twisted Metal, Vigilante Eight, and other games that if I if I this conversation goes long enough, maybe they'll come back to me. But there were enough of games that, like, yeah, uh, it, it Car- actually- I'll, I'll name a few: Carmageddon, there you um, go, Bur- Burnout. You know, yep. like a, a bunch of these kinds of shit. Uh, games I love. I, I I played you know a, a yes. lot of these games. Love these games. So and yeah. Destruction and, uh, Derby. You know, yep. yeah. Oh my god, Destruction Derby one and two. Like so so much fun. Um, and what was uh so fun about them was not n- not just playing uh you know against like your friends or your siblings, but one of the things I used to love to do was to bring home a new Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or a Twisted Metal. And the structure of these games was, hey, you're going to go through kind of like each of these combat arenas with a different character. And at the end, you're going to get a slightly different ending. And it's just a little like cutscene or computer generated scene. And this was true of Mortal Kombat. Uh, it was true of Tekken. Like it was kind of, uh, especially as narrative was becoming you know, we still be kind of figured out, like, what does it mean for games to have narrative? How do we fit narrative into games that don't necessarily glom on, like, really naturally? And I I loved just taking through the character boxes and, like, all right, well, I beat it with Spectre. Great. Now I'm going to beat it with Sweet Tooth. Great. Now I'm going to beat it with, like, you know, like, all these other wild characters in Twisted Metal or any of these, like, fighting games that I love to just rent from the video store. And so my fondness for the franchise in some ways is connected to that experience of like going through all these characters and seeing their ending. 
but I, I would not argue that the, the fond memories are really tied up in like, a fondness for the story world characters. Like, gosh, I cannot wait to see what they do with that live action. Like, like I enjoyed the stories in like for what they were, but I, it wasn't a franchise that was sitting on a shelf going, I just, you know, they're, they're making everything into a movie or TV show these days. What I, what I need is to find out how are they going to adapt the guy with two wheels on his arms? And like, that's like the vehicle that he goes around with. And what I, what they did was like, we're just not going to adapt any of those parts right, of the franchise right. because I don't think maybe they don't have the budget or they, in the more grounded take that they have uh, gone with uh, this version of Twisted Metal, that just those more fantastical elements, which are a huge part of Twisted Metal, pretty unarguably, um, at least in the five episodes we've seen, do not seem to be part of what they're going for. Here. Right. Like the idea is that there was this guy, Calypso, who hosted mm-hmm. this big tournament where people could come and uh, fight with their tricked out cars. And if you did so, uh, you would get like any wish that you want fulfilled. Yes. Basically. Like that's kind of the plot. So the new series, Twisted Metal, doesn't really do any of that. It uh, doesn't really involve any of that. The one thing it feels like they kept is, or two things they feel like they kept, post-apocalyptic vehicular combat. Those are the two elements they kept. Everything else is kind of new and invented. Um, but yeah, Patrick, put it, putting that aside, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and great great callback to the idea that like I remember wanting to beat the game with every single one yeah. of those characters so you could figure out like what all of their endings were. That was like that was a cool thing. Um, but but putting aside the game, what do you think of the show? Is this something that people should watch? It's this show, at least so far, lives and dies on how you respond to the what I found to be like incredible charm of Anthony Mackie. Right. Like this is a character. This is an actor who we like broadly know as, you know, Falcon from like the Marvel movies. And he's been in other things. But I think if you were to every time I, it's, I you see a picture of him i think most people are going to think oh right that's falcon in, in in the marvel stuff and so here and soon he, captain america exactly and like but even then that is him not necessarily being typecast but like that's that that is the role or like adjacent role that he's become associated with and i don't think people have had a chance to see him in in much else and i i haven't had a chance to see him in much else and so this show hinges on how are you going to respond to the like charm offensive that he is deploying in the show. And what I'll say is like, I responded extremely positively. Like I think he is very funny and enjoyable to watch in the show. And because it's 30 minutes, it hangs around just enough that you get the, like it gives me the concentrated blast that I want. And that even for whatever missteps there are in the show and like how thin a lot of the, the plotting, you know, for what there is might be, like between him and his quips and like the way he bounces off the world. And then like uh, the actor playing officer, uh, officer Stone is what uh, Thomas Hayden church. Right. Um, Correct. And like just chewing scenery, scenery, just like hum, hum, hum. Like, like just having a blast with a role that has very, very little to it, but is just meant to be like this hard ass jerk. And I think he, uh, you know, uh, does that exceptionally well. Um, I have found it to be charming. I don't think there's a ton of depth here. Um, and I haven't gotten the sense that in the back half, that's going to change, you know, the, the, you know, but if, if you're uh, being curious to see how they handle a video game adaptation is not enough to recommend watching um, an entire series. And so I can't give that full throated endorsement, but I don't think it's a waste of your time. And I do think 
for the kind of show that can just be a popcorn show, like, Hey, like this is like, it's enjoyable. It's short. It's to the point, like your eyes and your ears and your heart are going to have a little fun for 30 minutes. I think this, I think this show does accomplish that pretty well. It's not a show that I'll probably remember a year from now, but in terms of a a show that like, like, I just want to sit down I don't have time for the, the hour long thing. And then your, your options for 30 minute shows are kind of limited. And like, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very attracted to shows that can like sit within that, that small time window. And especially if you're looking for something that can be that easy sort of a kind of snackable show, I, I do think this falls into that quite well. That is a pretty charitable Review of the show, I got to say, Patrick Lovick. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I've gotten the sense that you you don't you don't, you have not found it as charming as I have. Well, I am fascinated by this show because, mm-hmm. on the one hand, I think the show is actually overall pretty terrible. Like, if 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 you show if you were to show people like a, a one minute clip from the show, they would be like, "That looks awful." Well, so the- so Dave, David, they did do that, um, which was at Summer Games Fest. Um, there, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I believe it was at Jeff. I don't know which showcase yeah, it was I, at. I remember uh, Will Arnett filmed a hostage video where he uh, he looked like he was giving proof of life and told, talked about the show. And then they showed a <laughs> clip from the yeah. uh, kind of fight scene between uh, Anthony Mackie and and Will Arnett voicing uh, uh, Sweet Tooth, and it is one of the all. It's it's essentially that the, the the part of the back and forth where they go back about the the <laughs> the 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 nineties uh, hit thong song, um, and yeah. it was atrocious. I mean, it was. <laughs> I, I cannot believe someone signed off. I'm like, yes, out of context. Uh, like this is the clip we should share with the world. Whereas, like the clip you put into this show. However you feel about it was like thousands exponentially better, at least like telling you the kind of tone and humor that it's going for on a moment to moment basis. And so right. <laughs> anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So uh, I, I think if you, sh- as you said, as we have seen in real life, if you show people clips of the show out of context, it is pretty terrible. Uh, it has a budget that is not in proportion with the ambition of the show. Yeah. Uh, it is. It feels very low budget, and they are trying to do some really big things. I would describe a lot of the aesthetics of the show as, um, and this is not meant to be like a slam, okay, but like, uh, because I have a deep respect for what I'm about to say, but it looks very, like, I, I would describe its aesthetics as very YouTube-esque. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, there's a lot of great work that gets done on YouTube, but it often feels like it's they're just, you know, they're 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 stealing shots from uh, a real life location. You know, like th- th- there's limits to the kinds of shots they can get because they're doing it guerrilla style and they don't have that big of a budget and and so on. That's a lot of YouTube videos look like that, um, and this vi- this TV show that's streaming on Peacock kind of looks like that in my opinion. Uh, the dialogue and tone of the show, I would say, is something that. It feels targeted towards uh, people who were like high schoolers from the 90s, I think. Right. Like basically, like if if you are a high schooler in the 90s and you watch the show, you'd be like, rad, dude, that's awesome. Love that. You know, like the, the what are you trying is- to say about people who are in high school in the 90s? <laughs> I, I, first of all, I think they're the people that wrote this show. Um, but also, I think that there's this kind of very um, 
edgelord vibe to it of like we're trying you know oh wow look we're showing farts and vomits and you know like all this stuff of like all this bodily humor and all this like stuff that i don't find particularly clever um and you know that's that kind of makes up a lot of the show now why did i still agree to watch a show with you and review it (laughs) on decoding tv despite all that stuff um the answer is I still find the show to be strangely compelling because first of all, as you said, Anthony Mackie's in the show and Hey, it's fun to watch Anthony Mackie cut loose. Yeah. Okay. Most of the stuff we see Anthony Mackie in, he is pretty serious. Okay. Even in the Avengers movies, he is Mm -hmm. pretty serious, pretty serious guy. A lot of dramatic stuff. He was in the Hurt Locker, very serious movie. And watching him cut loose and, and have a blast it's like, I don't even think I've ever seen Anthony Mackie in this context before. So mm-hmm. that in and of itself is offering you something. There's some, thi- there's some things that are like, just as I compared this streaming show to a lot of YouTube videos, there's ingenuity in YouTube videos. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's like, oh, wow, they made this half city block look like it was a, you know, nuclear attack, right? Like, and... There's something strangely compelling about watching people seemingly work with a very low budget to try to make this vast, expansive, post-apocalyptic world that I'm just like, huh, that's kind of cool. Like, it's it's not convincing, but it's like, <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate the ingenuity and, like, what they're trying to do, like, how they're achieving what they're trying to do, um, or how they're trying to achieve it, at least, um, their their goals. And so I I still find it, like weirdly compelling and then also finally i would say a bunch of the vehicular combat stuff is actually pretty decent like whenever Mm -hmm. there's vehicular combat in general um uh, it looks pretty good so pretty mixed bag for me patrick uh and overall i would not recommend this show to most people (laughs) like i think most people will not like uh and, and and in fact i would feel ashamed to recommend it to them because i would be like if you think if you think this is like what i find funny you know that makes me look bad a little bit um like really all right all right so we got to see through sneak invasion patrick like so glad to have you keep doing so this and then we're gonna do like we're gonna do a very dave show we're gonna do full circle and then we're gonna like all right patrick like i guess we could do twisted metal and it's like well so we're doing Twisted Metal. But if anyone thinks this reflects upon me, I I mean, the one, the one thing I'll Patrick, say. Patrick, your, your, your sense of humor is bad and you should feel bad. That's kind of my point. The, the, the thing I would say is that I think, you know, part of the difficulty with a lot of television shows these days and like a show like Full Circle that we just did is you kind of need to watch the whole thing to have a good sense of what it is and like what it's trying to accomplish. And so at least here, right? Like, if you think you're going to vibe with it at all, even if you don't find a lot of the story, world building characters, episodic structure compelling, but m- m- maybe you just like Anthony Mackie. Like, I wonder if that could be enough to just have something I have on. You can just watch the first episode, 30 minutes. Like if, if nothing there <laughs> right, resonates, right. like yeah. it's not as though it's going to change. Like, because the show is, is deliberately like almost level based, like almost, epi- you know, it, it is like going yeah, it's pure. Very, very episodic. It's very, and that's another thing that's a, str- a strength of a show is, yes, uh, it's very episodic. So it's like, 
each episode tells like a fairly self-contained story of like we're going to visit this place and like what happens when we visit this place and then the next episode we visit a different place and other stuff so it's very i I like the um the structure of the episodes is very like respects the format of tv so um but yes you could watch the first 30 minutes and then make your decision i believe the first 30 minutes available for free actually so um so you can check that out and then decide whether you're going to watch the show or not but uh, I'll just say, Patrick. I think it's 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 very like Deadpool esque humor. Like if you like the the humor in Deadpool, you know uh, you you'll like the humor in Twisted Metal. But it's like very like try hard edge lord kind of humor. I would in my I, opinion. I would go with try hard more than edge lord. Like when I think of edge lord, I think that you know I think more South Park. I think more like pushing up against like norms of humor in mm-hmm. terms of like mm-hmm. so the um, scene so the scene when. Uh, this old guy uh, is trying to have sex with what he thinks is Anthony Mackie's corpse. <laughs> that's um, that's just uh, you know, that's, tri- you know, that's, that's just, just trial. That's, that's, that's not just, edgelord. We're just yucking it up. I, by the way, I would just say, uh, I would say broadly speaking, I know. I, I guess I just more so say like edgelord, especially these days, which just like, yeah. like oh man, really pushing the boundaries of like racial humor and things like that. And I was like, I don't I think. See, I, see. I, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is like falls. You're right. Like that, that one is maybe an outlier, but I think this show is broadly more like, <laughs> yes, like farts and blood and slap, like slapstick being like pushed to a certain edge more so than it is like pushing the boundaries of like what society was, is going to accept as funny. And like, that's just a little more of what I, I associate like these days with, with edge lore. And this is more um, in that, in that slapstick vein. It also just like attempting a million things. Like as Anthony Mackie just, does not stop talking. That's a bit in the show. Right. Um, and the show itself by like a sheer momentum of story and ca- like character banter, like is throwing a lot out at you. And it's it, like, like with, it sounds like with you, like if a bunch of it's not landing, it does feel like someone's just yelling in your face <laughs> with a bunch of things that you don't like. And yeah. you, the ratio of how much that is going to land is, is going to determine a lot of like your ability to move forward in the show and, and find something out of it. Yeah. And the thing for me is like worst case scenario. It's like a thing you leave on. Like, you know, I, I have shows I watch while I'm working out, yeah. you know, this is a great working out show. Yep. Cause it's a, it doesn't demand very much. Um, nor does it deliver that much, but it's, it's like, <laughs> but it's, it's like, Hey, there's some fun. St- you, you got to, and there's some really talented actors. Hey, if you like Thomas Hayden church, I remember when Spider-Man three came out, people were like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Thomas Hayden church is incredible. You know, like a lot of respect for Thomas Hayden church out there. Here's a thing you can watch him in, you know? Um, so th- th- there's a bunch of weird decisions in the show that I want to talk with you about as we get into the plot details. Uh, but overall I, I didn't hate it. Patrick didn't hate it. Um, didn't love it. Found it to be a, a deeply mixed bag, uh, and and it's just a deeply weird, weird show. So you know, when you when you when you have to say over and over, I didn't hate it. I just I believe you, David. You didn't hate it. Like you know, it's definitely I definitely didn't hate it. Exactly. Nor do I. Nor do I hate anyone who likes it. So. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Hundred percent not. Hundred percent. Hundred percent not. All right. Well, those are our overall thoughts on the first five episodes of Twisted Metal. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. All right, let's uh let's talk about what actually happens in the show. Now, before we actually do the plot summary, I did want to um, play you a clip, which I actually I meant to grab this before we started talking, but I, I think I, I successfully grabbed it while we were talking. Ooh! Um, and this is a clip from Sweet Tooth's backstory in the original Twisted Metal game. Wow! And or one of the original Twisted Metal games, and I remember like Sweet Tooth in the like the clown guy in the mm-hmm. video games was a serial killer, and I remember his stuff literally giving me nightmares like mm-hmm. the, the backstory was like literally giving me that because it's like back then when i was a kid the idea of like an amoral killer is like a very frightening thought like oh there's someone out there who doesn't believe in right and wrong like that's very scary um so here's sweet tooth i, I just want to sh- play a clip this is sweet tooth talking about one of the people who got away and he was not able to su- successfully kill there was a time Right after she escaped. That I almost caught her. I could sense where she was. Her fear. It was so ripe. This would be fun. Anyway, you you kind you kind of get us. <laughs> I, I know it's upsetting, right? <laughs> it's upsetting. That's what I was playing when I was when, did, I know, when I, Twisted Metal come out. That's a, uh, that sounds that, that's like upsetting today as an adult. Yeah, to what, you know? I think it's more upsetting because I don't think they would do it that hard today. I mean, today, so, right? Well, Twisted Metal one and two were aimed at. Like all, like I mean, they had an edge to them, but it was not. It was it was kind of all ages. Whereas Twisted Metal Black is where they leaned harder into like, yeah, yeah, hey, we're, right. we're we're really specifically targeting like teenagers. I and think it adults. was rated M for mature, and I yeah. and I remember being like, oh, like this is exciting. I'm playing a rated M <laughs> game, you know, like ooh, this is I'm a hard edged uh, gamer, you know. Uh, but I I play that because. That's like the the biggest memory I have of Twisted Metal, Patrick, is like that tone, that incredibly dark tone. And there was, there was and, a lot of that because the whole concept was, you know, yes, Calypso is going to grant you your wish, but, you know, it's a twisted wish. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah, nothing it's like ever goes. It's like a monkey's paw type It is a, right yeah, now. like Calypso is not there to, you know, it, it is, it is there to, you, they'll, you'll get your wish, but 
not in the way that you you expect. And yeah, like Twisted Metal One drops in ninety five. Uh, Twisted Metal Two drops uh, very soon after in ninety six. Back in back in an era where you could a game could be a success and come out. Twisted Metal, Twisted Metal One comes out November fifth, nineteen ninety five. Twisted Metal Two comes out uh, October thirty first, nineteen ninety six. Less, Less than, than a year. A year like Less just than a year. Yeah. unthinkable um uh, right. these days but i mean Th- these I, days you get you get the launch of a game and then <laughs> the rest of the game yeah, your season year. pass you yes, get your yes. season pass less than a year right that's what it is today right so uh anyway i i, I play that because like I, I was thinking when i think of uh twisted metal i'm like oh that's my memory of it mm-hmm. and i will just say twisted metal the show is virtually nothing like or it, it's certainly not that dark it kind of it has a dark edge to it but i mostly don't take any of this particularly seriously you know what i mean like yeah and i don't think the show is taking it very seriously so uh i'm not sure you could i'm not sure you could do the show with like if you think of the split in tone between one and two and then black in which they're they're like very different approaches to the same material in which i would would argue twisted metal one and two are far more arcadey and comedic um and have an edge to them but it is not overly serious and black is when it gets not serious but like it gets darker like yeah. it, it is it, it is more i would be shocked if that clip you just played was not from twisted metal black um but again obviously it's been ages since i played these games thoroughly and this show definitely adopts more of the the tone of of one and two than it does right. does does black um I, i'll just say here's here's a good illustration um i was never scared watching Twisted Metal, the streaming show. Right? Like, no, no. Not for a single no, moment. Whereas no. I was scared listening to that clip just now. <laughs> you know, yeah, like... That depiction of Sweet Tooth is much scarier than... And also, they're not, it's not, they're not trying. Like, there's nothing that is even... It is not as though the show is failing to be scary. Sweet Tooth is not depicted... Sweet Tooth is right. depicted they're as They're not even trying to do right. anything like that. Right. Um, but... Like, me, I was scared not only of the concept of Sweet Tooth, but I was also scared of the fact that someone thought that up mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. like oh wow there's people on earth that was when i when i first saw this there's people on earth that like thought that up you know like that's really <laughs> messed up uh okay anyway let's talk about what happens to the show it's the post-apocalypse and all major cities have erected walls to keep out lawless criminals outside the walls John Doe, played by Anthony Mackie, is a milkman who makes deliveries from outpost to outpost and is exceedingly good at his job. After making a delivery to New San Francisco, John gets an offer from Mayor Nev Campbell to pick up a package in New Chicago in return for citizenship. John sets out on his quest and joins up with a woman named Quiet, played by Stephanie Beatrice, who herself is on a quest for vengeance because her brother was murdered by a security guard turned self-appointed head of the police, Officer Stone, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church. Officer Stone has created many outposts, including one at the Hoover Dam, and is busy recruiting people for his cause. Along the way, John and Quiet bump into a colorful cast of characters, such as Sweet Tooth, a psychopathic killer clown, and a convoy of survivors that ride in a truck that's always in motion. As the fifth episode ends, Quiet and John have seemingly defeated Officer Stone via a car battle, and Sweet Tooth has decided to go on a killing spree, liberating the people who Officer Stone has kept captive. So that's what's happened in the show thus far. Patrick Klepek, let's start with this. You know, we've we've touched upon this a few times, but I do notice that sometimes when they make an adaptation based off of these video games that are like the storyline in the video game is about a tournament. Mm-hmm. 
people who are writing these things always feel the need to not have a tournament. <laughs> like uh, Street Fighter being a great example. The the Raul Julia, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, right? Like Street Fighter is a street fighting tournament. It's in the name of the mo- of the t- of the video game, right? And then it's like, oh, Guile is like this U.S. Special Forces guy, and we need to have this whole political intrigue. Similarly, I watched Twisted Metal, the the TV show, because I was like, oh, wow, maybe they're going to have some big tournament of some kind where we see big cars go up against each other. Uh, I guess that wasn't interesting enough for them, because (laughs) not only is that not in like, not only is that not the main focus, I don't even think as of five episodes, there's nothing even of the sort that's going to happen uh, in the show. Um, no, and the, the most recent Mortal Kombat uh, reboot, like, also issues like any sort of tournament structure for. Um, I uh, no, actually, I think there is a tournament in the new Mortal Kombat, the 2021 film. Yeah, but like, I, there's not the battle between realms, which is the whole like, which which is the like the core concept of Mortal Kombat. There, there is like there are one on one fights that happen towards the end as mm-hmm, everyone's trying to right. unlock as everyone's yeah. trying to unlock their. To inner Mortal Kombat energy or whatever they like tried to like give a, an explanation for why people yeah, can use superpowers. But it's, it's not structured like no. a tournament. It's not like, no. hey, fight one, fight two, which the is it uh, Paul W. S. Anderson film did? Like they, they did do that, if I recall correctly. There is, right? a, yeah, they fl- yeah. they go to an island and there is a, yeah, the superior yeah. movie um, goes to an island and has <laughs> wow. a tournament and has, and has mm. a big practical gore. Oh, if anyone is going to sit here and tell me that the new Mortal Kombat is better than the older Mortal Kombat, I, I will not have it. I will not oh, have wow. it. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I don't know if I agree with you there, but that'll be, <laughs> that'll be a, uh, a duel for another day, Patrick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I am curious, you know, you have covered pop culture as well as video games, obviously, for yep. your for your day job at Remap. Um, what do you think? Uh, I, I guess people just don't think tournaments are that interesting, huh? Like, what what do you, what do you think is up? Do you think do you think it's more narratively interesting the path they chose than than having some kind of tournament? I don't, you know, it. I think part of the answer to that question is trying to unpack where are the 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 filmmakers, the showrunners, I guess, in this case, um, coming from in terms of the material. Does you Do you get the sense that they are, ah, the only way we could get our idea made was to hitch a ride on this franchise um, because you're more likely to get an existing IP with however loose right. a narrative connection approved. Or it's like, hey, we've looked at this game and, tr- and th- this seems like a better uh, <laughs> vehicle, ha-ha, to deliver like the story we want to tell Terrible. in it. And I haven't read any interviews with the, you know, with, 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 with the folks behind this to know where they're coming from the game or the show. It's a bad vibe. Sometimes when you can see the show going out of its way to throw Easter eggs, like obvious, like, huh? Like, so there's a sequence like in the opening, uh, uh, vehicle <laughs> sequence, like, yeah. like the twisted metal box, like goes on, um, uh, onto yeah. the car, and the, ha- the, the the show exists in a universe where the twisted metal video game exists, basically. Right. right, and it's like a long shot of like that box there. There's another, uh, there's another uh, sequence uh, later in the show where uh, Evelyn, I think, is the name of uh, um, uh, of the of his car, and he says like an input sequence, like L one up down, which is I believe to the code to get invincibility in twisted metal like mm-hmm, one of the cheat yeah. codes and like stuff like that i you know gives me pause and it's like oh did like they do a pass 
on the show and it's like, oh, like are the fan like do we put in enough for the fans here? Like, okay, let's put in these very uh, like so I just watching the show, I can't quite figure out where the people making it land with the material. And is the distance from like the structure of a tournament, the distance from the really frankly like supernatural elements that like really like there's a ghost character like I forget the character in Twisted Metal, but like yeah, he's a yeah. he's a ghost a char- rider. A character from hell in in the He's game. a ghost rider equivalent. Yeah. Like yeah. it's ju- it's yeah. just doing ghost rider from from Marvel comics and um so far you know none of that's so like that's me trying to navigate like where especially as someone that you know likes the original series but doesn't feel like gee if they don't adapt Twisted Metal right gonna be shaking my fist at them it's more just like why bother right like if you're like why even bother to do this if it, um especially because these creators like they're very successful they probably didn't have to make this to make ends meet and so i do believe i do like well they've had like you know between zombie land and i mean like they're they could they can probably find projects and so doing twisted metal seems like it comes out of a desire yeah. to want to do a twisted metal show and i don't even necessarily disagree with like the beginning sort of grounded approach. And I, what I hope is that what it's building towards is like, hey, can we get buy-in from the audience on like a character level on some sort of grounded approach, which then opens the door for the show to get stranger and introduce more of those elements of the show. Because like, I actually, I, I have found myself missing that. And I think it's it's tied up in this question of the tournament. It's tied up in this question of like, where are the more supernatural or like over the top elements of, of the, uh, of the original games. And um, I think that is like kind of all tied up my complicated feelings about how they chose to frame this adaptation. Uh, even like even watch, but you know, I understand like it's a very simple narrative, right? Like get to place, like <laughs> go get thing. Like mm-hmm. I get it. And that, that then fits very nicely with their episodic framework, but I'm with you in, um, wondering why we had to ditch that framework. And it, I just, I don't quite settle on where I come from in why they did it. Uh, and I feel like maybe that's a question that's answered a little more by the end of the show. Yeah. I think you are correct to point out that there's many shows that get made today or many movies that get made today because of their association with pre-existing IP. There was a great article in the New Yorker about Barbie uh, and how there's like dozens of projects in play at Mattel we're going to see a Polly Pocket movie, probably. We're going to see a Magic 8-Ball movie, probably. We're going to see, you know, all these movies based on, like, Uno movie, probably. <laughs> and uh, and they are reviewing scripts and trying to figure out, like, what's the right fit. And a lot of the movies sound like, oh, it was a cool idea they had. And they just connected it to shoots and ladders because... <laughs> Because they figured they could fit a ladder into the story, you know, like <laughs> as opposed as opposed to like, you know, they really had a passion for the material. And I do think there's a little bit of that going on. I, I do wonder how much of that's going on where like it's like, yeah, they wanted to tell a story. Like, they wanted this to be an Anthony Mackie haha vehicle, um, where you know he gets to hang out and do fun things and blow people up. Uh, and they kind of just shoved it into this twisted metal pre existing IP, thinking that they would get the Dave Chen's and the Patrick Klepics of the world to turn out. <laughs> Who like, hey, I remember that from my childhood. Oh, a show right. that is basically nothing like what I remember. I'm still gonna watch it and talk about it on my podcast. Um, they got. I mean, it. I, mean got I will it. say they they get over a pretty. So the, the Mortal Kombat reboot. One of the things, one of the problems that I had with it was um, 
those filmmakers did seem like they understood the material yes. and were trying to navigate their way through it. And and I, I actually spoke to the screenwriter uh, at one point before that movie came out. And like, I definitely bought it. I was like, Hey, this film, this, the screenwriter gets it, understands the material. But one of the core problems I had with that was their wholesale invention of a brand new main character to be this audience surrogate to get them into the world. And one of my core problems with that adaptation was like, I just don't think that worked at all. Like the main character is uninterested. I think it's Cole is the, the main character. Yeah, and, and like, that, that, just, that wasn't great. That it wasn't just didn't great. work. It just didn't work at all. And like constantly Cole's on screen and I'm wondering instead of like when Cole, when Cole is not on screen, instead of wondering where is Cole, I'm like, thank God Cole is not on screen. It's like an it's, invert. It's true. He was the least interesting character. That was an unfortunate part of it. But yeah. And so like what's fa- like fascinating about this adaptation is broadly speaking, absent Sweet Tooth, we don't really have like the core characters that you would associate with Twisted Metal. Um, now, granted, Sweet Tooth is the one that's on all the box arts. Like, if there is a character of Twisted Metal, it is Sweet Tooth. Um, and there are references and Easter eggs to like these other other characters throughout. But it does whole, wholesale invent a main character, and maybe the franchise is able to get away with that a little bit more because again of the like Sweet Tooth Sweet Tooth's prominence. Um, but it does kind of clear that bar that Mortal Kombat didn't for me, where it's like, all right, I buy this character. I'm not upset that it isn't uh, some other character that would have been more interesting from from that world. And I buy this as a um, – I keep wanting to say vehicle. Like I like it's yeah. like, as, a, as an entryway into the Twisted Metal uh, universe, whatever that is. And that's part of what I just don't even know what this series is. Yeah, like, what is this universe? Like, how broad is it? Um, because we're given like a very – kind of narrow glimpse into it on a on an episode by episode basis. I would agree with you that John Doe is a relatively cool character. Like he's he's a character that feels like he's worthy of being the main character of the show. You know? Yeah. Um and I'm looking at the Twisted Metal like character list and he's he's not he was not one of the original characters as far as I can tell. But man, there were some wild characters, Patrick. There was this guy, <laughs> yeah. remember the there was a character called Axel? And he was That's literally the one like, with the two wheels, right? Yeah, yes. just the guy who's trapped between two wheels. <laughs> Come on, build that. And Put he has that like, on a set. He has like rockets on his shoulders. Anyway, yes. okay, so, such a cool, such a cool idea. Okay, um, so there are some really interesting decisions that the show makes that I want to talk to you about. First of uh-huh. all, Will Arnett plays the voice of Sweet Tooth, mm-hmm. but the Body of Sweet Tooth, who wears a clown mask at all times, is played by Samoa Joe, the American professional wrestler and actor. And I have to say, I feel deeply ambivalent about this because on the one hand, when I hear Will Arnett's voice, my brain thinks that's Will Arnett's voice coming out of this other guy's body. (sighs) Yeah. But on the other hand, if I didn't know who Will Arnett was... I feel like I would find this performance very convincing. I think Samoa Joe is doing a great job. Like it's a great physical performance where he's matching his his body motions to what Will Arnett's saying, and I think he's actually doing a really good job. What do you think? I would love to see some sort of behind the scenes, like what, what's happening right. on set. Like, like I my presume- guess is they recorded Will Arnett's voice and they're playing it back, and then Samoa Joe's. Trying, yeah, trying That's, to ma- like, would, yeah. would, however they did it, it would be fascinating to see how they yeah. they did that in 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 production, um, um, and then like match that in, in post. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. It is one of those uh, instances in which, for I think me personally, and also for you, like the moments where I can't quite tell it's Will Arnett, where like he 
the voice just gets kind of buried in like the sound mixing and alteration that they're doing. Um, Cause it's not just purely his voice. Like they're, they're doing alterations to it to kind of match this, this bigger character. Um, like that's when I find the performance working for me the most, but because I know who Willard is, I'm, I'm often finding myself wishing that it was somebody else. So I could just kind of get lost in right. the, the pure performance. But and um, I think you would be able to like, it's a, it's a solid performance. I think it's very strong work by Samojo. You know, and it's it's he, but, he's like his physical work is very funny. Like yes. it is a kind of thankless job because like the fact that it works means you're like not noticing how hard it must have been to do this type of performance. But like if you sit and like know the logistics of it, like, you can't help but just be really impressed by especially the extended scene. Like the best example of this is not like the violence that happens later on when like they go to, to, to like one of the cop uh, stations, but it's yeah. like that whole extended spot in this, I think the second episode in, in Las Vegas uh, where he puts on a show. Right. And like, there's really like half the episode is like Samoa Joe yeah. doing physical comedy master this audio stuff. And it's just, it's it's probably some of the best work that the show does. Like mm-hmm. like like even if you don't end up wanting to watch the show and all you do is listen to us talk about it, it is worth looking up clips from this sequence if they exist online because it's just a f- fascinating physical like combination of physical and audio performance that is the I mean it's kind of like watching a cartoon uh, like so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, the closest yeah. like and like uh, analogy I can come up with, but it's like a cartoon and in physical form where like normally it would be like, we see this in superhero movies all the time, right? Where it's like, Oh, like a CGI blob, whatever is voiced by somebody. And here it's like, no, like a really talented comedic actor, Will Arnett is voicing the physical body of someone else. And I know. And, 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 so and with for, the, for that reason alone, it's fast. It's just fascinating to watch. It like, is. Yeah. How does that work? It's like, you know, um, cartoon, it's like watching a puppeteer almost, but I know mm-hmm. he's, he's not really puppeteering him, but it's like his voice is driving the performance, you know, like yes. Samoa Joe is probably hearing Will Arnett's voice and then like <laughs> acting accordingly. And it's like, well, that's just a fascinating thing that you don't get to watch all the time. You know, it'll be even amazing. So, I, like, and I, I know, uh, we kind of made the assumption here that he's hearing Will Narnett's voice, but it also wouldn't be shocking to me to learn yeah. that he didn't and that Will Narnett was an actor picked in post right. to be like added. Like I, 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 I'm going to try and I would love to look this up later because yeah. if that's not the case, in some ways I hope it's, it's, it's the case that he was not hearing Will Narnett because it makes the performance even more <laughs> like impressive. Where yes, he's just like, sure, sure. Hey man, this is what we're going for. Like, are there like you hear alternate- someone reading Will Arnett's lines in like <laughs> yeah, monotone just, off screen? Yeah, just off like, screen, like you know. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to go on a killing spree. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's got to be Will Arnett's. I think it's got to be Will Arnett's. Voice, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll probably be able to find out. I am baffled at this choice that they've made with this character named Steph, uh, played by Stephanie Beatrice, yeah. called Quiet in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you first meet Quiet, she's mute. She mm-hmm. doesn't speak. And I'm thinking, I'm watching this thinking to myself, oh, great. Yet another one of these TV shows with a silent sidekick, you know, like, <laughs> like, like we haven't seen that before. And, and then like in episode two, she just randomly starts speaking, but then they still call her quiet. Yeah. It's like, say what you will about the tenets of making your sidekick silent, <laughs> but at least it's an ethos. Like I, I literally 
was like, what are they even doing? Like, it almost feels like they changed their mind. They were like, they started making the show and they're like, oh, it'd be so cool if this woman didn't speak at all. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, well, that doesn't work at all. That doesn't, that's not working. It's not working. Um, we have to change it so that she starts speaking. Okay, great. We've done that. Oh, but her name is still quiet. Well, I guess we'll just leave that part in. What is going on, Patrick? Well, I think, and also my issue with it is there's no there's no character justification for it, right? It's like at the point that we're at in the show, yeah, she's no longer acting this way, right? And I guess they're I guess they want you to assume that because of the trauma she experiences with like her brother, but she's no, she's, no, she's really, quiet at that point already. She's quiet at that point already. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. And then like, she gets abs- she gets branded, and then she like does she like makes this like very like whimpery sound. And so I'm like, oh wow, they're really committing to this part about her being quiet all the time. Uh, and then and then they just change it all of a sudden, but they kept the name quiet. Yeah, maybe another shoe will drop like later in the show that like, but then it's too late. Like if they were going to explain this and give me give us like an interesting justification, <laughs> like I feel like. It's they give like us it, whole. They give us whole backstory for Officer Stone that we didn't need, right? You know, like, <laughs> but but it's like one of them. You know, one of the protagonists. Forget about it. it. It makes it feel like they're just making it up as they go along, like slapdashedly putting the show together. In my opinion, but I don't know. Like, maybe I'm the only person bothered by it. Like, where if I didn't bring it up, would you have even thought to talk about it? No, it. I mean, I I think bec- you know, uh, it is definitely like I found it to be a very odd character and acting choice um especially because all it results in is like anthony mackie talking more and then getting upset at himself for t- like it's just a yeah it's just odd like I, I think they were trying to play it as a bit um and i think that bit expires like long before they choose to drop it like i think that's actually probably what happened is like uh-huh. le- i think i think it's less about like a, a radical character shift in the middle of filmmaking as much as like oh, like this will be funny and it's like well yeah maybe if like for a little bit during that sequence, like with where they first meet sweet tooth and like, does he, right. should she trust him? Yada, yada. But then, like, but then don't call the character quiet. Like that doesn't, right, make, any, that right, doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Right. Um, it, it reminds me of like in rush hour one, when Jackie Chan pretends he can't speak English for a little bit. And then it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, ha ha. He can't speak. Oh, what a reveal twist. But that's like, <laughs> that's like within 15 minutes of you meeting the character, you know, it's not yes. like, Yes. I think it's drawn out for like an episode or two, basically, in the show. It's too um, long. It's too yeah. long, for sure. <laughs> uh, okay. So any other thoughts about the first five episodes? Oh, I, one thing I wanted to mention about, about Quiet before we move off the topic is one thing I thought was really hilarious. Uh, I think in general, TV shows should spend more time allowing characters to hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they often don't do that. And I think that's, uh, kind of a problem, but, uh, this show does take the time to let the characters hang out a little bit. I don't find any of the characters particularly pleasant. Uh, (laughs) so like, that's not, it's not great, but I like that that what they're trying to do. And there's a scene at the movie theater where they kind of share a little bit about their backstories and they watch blank man on the screen. And it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of a nice scene. And then there's a shot of Anthony Mackie washing his clothes uh, and his back is to quiet. And Anthony Mackie is an incredibly attractive individual. Mm-hmm. You know, 
But the shot that they chose of him was <laughs> yeah. really unflattering. And, yeah. I was like, I had a higher like, opinion of his ass before they decided to show it. Uh, and I just have to assume that given the rest of his shape, <laughs> you just somehow managed to make his ass look bad. And that just cannot be the case. It was like the least flattering shot of Anthony <laughs> Mackie I've ever seen, who I am, I, I believe is a very like fit cut person. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then it's supposed to be like, from quiet's pov of you're like ooh, she's like kind of attracted to him but it's like this grossly unflattering shot so basically like every now and then in the show there's just gonna be this thing where i'm like what is there's like a whole other kind of type of human making this show basically mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's inherently interesting you know mm-hmm. okay those are a couple of my topics i wanted to bring up patrick is there anything you want to talk about in, in regards to the first five episodes yeah, you know, uh, one thing that, uh, uh, you know, we touched on this um, uh, early on was that I I do appreciate the inventiveness of the vehicular stuff because it's not something you see in TV shows all that much. You get car yeah. chases, but yeah. it's rare to see a show center cars and chases and like that being its primary action scene uh, be involving cars. And I do think when they choose to turn it on, it's done pretty like they they know. All right, here's the budget. We're putting it yeah. into these scenes. And I feel like you you see that there. Like I think they're choreographed pretty well. I think they're they're pretty fun to watch. Like the they the moments where this show has like heightened uh kind of cartoonish violence ha- usually is during these scenes. And I, I found like when that stuff well like quite literally pops because it's usually like people's brains popping on screen. Like I have found that to be pretty effective. But I always find it very funny because it, it's contrasted with a show that knows those moments have to be few and far between. And when they're there, they have to, they have to be good. Like those have yeah. to be a highlight of the show, but also the show is desperately trying to find any on off ramp for the cars to do anything, but keep going. So like the, the fact that it, an entire episode is structured on uh, like big wheelers, like going down the roads together, but they managed to like get the car inside. So it can be a largely interior like shot for the episode. It's just like, you know what? I get what you're doing here. Like that's pretty, like pretty uh, effective filmmaking is like, yeah. we like, we are going to invent these truckers that are going and like, we're just not going to show the truck. It's all interior. Like this is just on a sound stage and we're barely <laughs> ever going to show the stuff from the outside because, yeah. because it, it's just not a show that has the budget to pull off yeah. what yeah. you would then do with that stuff. Um, now, and I, now we, we should say, so what Patrick's describing is there's this episode, I think it's episode four, right? Yeah. Or where, uh, they get picked up by these truckers, and the idea is that they line these trucks up next to each other and <laughs> extend these tunnels between them. It's absurd. It's absurd. Tru- it's like so tr- funny. And the trucks keep moving the entire time, but the idea is that they never need to stop. And they and then like you're in the interior of the truck, and it's like basically like a structure that you can walk yep. around in. Uh, and on the one hand, you're right, Patrick. Very inventive way to keep the whole episode indoors. On the other hand, makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> like, hope to God that you have two lanes of highway consistently. <laughs> at all times. At all times. Because <laughs> um, if that ever changes, you're ripping off the doors. Of, like, th- these, there's, like, metal corridors that are extended between these trucks, basically. It's, and, it's wild. I mean, like, you know, I think one of the other uh, points I had written down was that uh, there are shows... And I, I maybe get the sense that this is bothering you more than it is bothering me. But there are shows that get really wrapped up in um, explaining the world building. And it's like, yeah. like, what, how does this, how does this, how does this world work? Like, what are the rules? And I guess 
in an era in which shows through sheer length um, often feel the, the need to justify themselves. Like there is something kind of charming about twisted metal. It's like yada, yada, yada. Like, like someone just was in a room and said like, wouldn't it be cool if like these truckers were just like connected and they created a bunch of rooms out of it? Don't, how does it work? Don't worry about it. Like it's just, it's a cool idea. And like, it just leaves it at that. And it is one of the charms of the show. I have found at least like that every episode is going to have kind of one of those, like what's like, what's the bit of the next like group or faction and how do they justify their existence out in in the world? Like I'm for, I would be, I'm so much more interested in those kind of outlandish ideas than I am in like seeing another uh, like flashback to like officer stones, like traumatic, bro uh like uprising into a, into becoming a super cop and right. and but I, it's like I, yeah, I, officer stone um colonized the hoover dam and it's like but yeah. there's no maybe we're gonna get the backstory later but it's like it's very possible we won't we'll just understand hey somehow this mall cop was able to convince enough people to come and then he instituted an extremely elaborate system for feeding them you know like all this it's, it's, it's like that's the kind of world building that this show doesn't do so far right and, like, and, and i and that's and like i think and that's the stuff that bothers me less because what's the logic as much as like i just don't like i just don't care and right. so like i will throw logic out the window if it's like if it's a fun idea that is in service of the energy of the show and i don't yeah. think the that stuff if it, it feels way more like well we need an antagonist and it's like i have been i think the show would have been much better because i think like it is at its best when it's just these two characters yeah. encountering another faction, solving a problem, and just going on their way. And I can see the show setting down the pieces for, well, Sweet Tooth is going to be a problem. And then, like, clearly, like, they're probably not done with Officer Stone. Like, I'm sure there's going to be more. And it's like, those are the most least interesting parts of the show. Whereas, like, every time they're clearly setting up, like, the ho- like the holy, like, like the religious factions, like, that that's what I yes give me right. the weird other faction on the road they're, that we're gonna meet like for twenty holy, minutes these holy men that we don't yes. we don't know but they like they'll like crucify people basically and it's like we we don't know what's going on with them uh, I, I'm right there with you Patrick uh, I don't really care about Officer Stone's backstory I think if they had just invested in if it was like Poker Face style where another Peacock show where it's like these people visiting location to location and solving yeah. crimes you know like that that would have that would have been like probably a better fit for the show. Um, than trying to make you care about Sweet Tooth or Officer Stone or Stu or any of these other people. Oh, give me the Sweet Tooth backstory, baby. I can't. You're going to have to play that because I'm sure it's coming. Like Sweet Tooth <laughs> is now a main character and mm-hmm. or at least a, like a, a, a high level sub character. And I have to imagine we're going to get a flashback. So you played that other one, which means we're probably we're going to have to contrast these backstories when we get Perhaps. there. Because... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're going to give a Sweet Tooth backstory because it's not. He's not a disturb. I don't. Maybe they might. I don't know. I can't predict. I, I I didn't predict we would get an Officer Stone like entire backstory episode. We got two so, of like, them, right? I think we yeah. got two flashbacks for Officer Stone, and one one would be enough. Um, one <laughs> one one would like the the uh, everything up to him uh, going to you know take out the quote terrorists. Like I didn't need that one. Like the one where he's just the shit, like the crappy mall cap cop. I was fine with that one. That was a I think that was an intro to one of the episodes that was like our only glimpse of the very vaguely alluded to i don't know electronics stopped working again 
don't worry about it. We're not like, don't even, like, it's just the premise for the show. Yeah, don't think even, about how that make works. Doesn't make any sense. Right. No. Yeah. Um, to your point, I do think they spent most of their vehicle money on the first episode of the show. Yeah. Um, where there's this big chase scene in a mall that actually looks like they went out and did this in a mall and it, it actually looks very solid. Uh, I enjoyed the fight between quiet and officer stone with the, the, the missile going through her back window and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's fun stuff. So yeah, in general, when there's vehicle stuff, it actually looks pretty good. And you're right. They do spend the money there because a lot of the other stuff looks very dodgy. Like yeah. it looks pretty rough uh, example. Like, the CG background at the Hoover Dam. It looks, oh, ter- it looks yeah. terrible. Yeah, you it can looks tell like... when they're doing something practical, like, and the vehicle stuff feels very practical, like right, on right. sets. Like it doesn't feel like I'm I'm being taken out of it by noticing that I can yeah. tell that there's a, a computer generated background behind there. But all that stuff is like cut away. Cut. They go back to a close up. Like send me back to Mackie. It, it, <laughs> it looks like approximately something I I David Chen could come up with. Using Photoshop generative AI beta on my computer, basically, like it's like very, very rough. You know, some some of the backgrounds look very, very rough. I, and, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and that's what's also kind of like I'm morbidly fascinated with the show because some of the stuff looks awesome, and then some of it looks not just bad but like terrible. And so I'm just mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, this is whip whiplash feeling I'm experiencing that no other show gives me. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Patrick, I think that's going to take us to close to the end here. But I, I, I will ask you uh, any predictions as to what is going to happen in the final five episodes. Um, you know, uh, I assume John Doe's I assume B- uh, Quiet is alive. Um, I assume John Doe is going to get to New Chicago and pick up the package. And I assume we're going to find out what the package is before the end of the season. Um but yeah, any idea what the what the package could be, Patrick? Any any speculation? Um, I am so the show does not ignore Calypso completely. Um, there is a shot early in Twisted Metal where uh, I believe uh, um, John Doe is getting on the highway. I don't know he's driving, and like there is a a highway sign, and spray painted on it is Calypso is real, which I believe is a reference to graffiti that is in the games, and mm-hmm. it's like because it's not. I forget the lore of Twisted Metal, but like, you know, I, I don't think Calypso is necessarily like well known by the world. It's like a hidden secret that that's why these mm-hmm. people enter this tournament. Um, so maybe this is just me like holding out hope that they're going to lean into some of the more outlandish elements of Twisted Metal um, in, in the back half. But uh, I'm hoping there'll be a, I can't tell if that's Easter egg or l- like laying, laying down something that they're going to pay off later. It could easily be both because this is a show that has done very heavy handed Easter eggs for like, we know the fans are watching, even though they have not released a twisted metal game in like 12 years, like a long time. Like (laughs) it's like not exactly, which is part of what makes this such a curious adaptation is, or maybe why they did it. Right. Where it's like, there is a fan base, but it's not like the last of us where there's people sitting down going, don't fuck it up. Like just nobody's <laughs> doing that for twisted metal. Um, Other than you and me, uh, you and me are like, Hey, please don't mess up this. Adaptation. But even for me, it's a long leash, right? It's just like, <laughs> eh, like it's a pretty loose framework. I'm being sarcastic. Like, we don't, I'm being sar- we don't care. Yeah. We don't yeah. Care. Yeah. 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 It's just a framework. So, like just whatever, like put a clown on a, on a vehicle. So uh, I am wondering if they're going to uh, lean into that. I don't know. My, my so far, I don't get the sense that they're, going to lean in the more outlandish elements. So I guess my prediction there would be no. And I'm just holding out hope that uh, I'll be wrong on that front. 
Otherwise, I am predicting the sweet, the sweet tooth uh, uh, backstory. I think you are. Go- I think I am like this show has done backstories. And I, so if Sweet Tooth could have been swept off stage, was just the Las Vegas stuff, and they've they've brought him it's back true. as a as a, as a as a kind of a a my, my guess is going to be some sort of like main antagonist um, towards the end here. And uh, I, I think I think they're gonna are they gonna make us try and feel bad for Sweet Tooth? I don't know, um, but I think yes, I think they're gonna try and make us feel bad for Sweet Tooth. <laughs> okay, here we go. Patrick Klepek, I have only watched five episodes of Twisted Metal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to predict for you what is going to happen by the end of the show. Here we Hit go. Hit me. Okay. All right. Prediction one. Uh, Quiet's still alive. Obviously continues to team up with John. They go to New Chicago. They get the weapon. At some point, a big confrontation occurs with Officer Stone that results in Officer Stone dying or getting severely maimed. Sweet Tooth comes in at the last minute and saves John Doe and uh, Quiet from certain death at the mm-hmm. hands of Officer Stone, and he is the one who ends up killing Officer Stone. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Prediction number two. We already know that Nev Campbell's bad uh, mm-hmm. because she faked having a baby with that Asian dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so my guess is that what she is going to ask him to pick up is some kind of bioweapon. Yeah. Uh, that exterminates everyone outside of the cities. What if Calypso is an AI? Mm. And that's what she's picking up. <laughs> Perhaps. Some kind of weapon that will kill everyone outside the cities. And then like at some point, John Doe and Quiet will find out. And they're going to be like, oh, well, even though we get citizenship here, I don't know if I want to kill all the people that we met outside of the walls. And they prevent her from using the weapon. Mm-hmm, okay? mm-hmm. That sounds very, that sounds right. All right. Boom. I'm calling it now. We'll find out next week when we record our uh, review of the final episodes and the season as a whole. Um, so you can see whether we got this right or wrong. One last observation I wanted to make, Patrick, that I really enjoyed about the show was early on in the show, they get uh, John Doe, like they welcome him into New San Francisco. And he's like, uh, and, and uh, let me just describe for you what he sees in New San Francisco. Okay. <laughs> he basically, it's like he's going into an outdoor mall in like Orange County area, right? Like, yep. That's basically what he is going into. And he sees people like wearing hats and going shopping. And he's like, whoa. And then he goes to Nev Campbell's house. And sees there, <laughs> there was an amazing shot of like what looked to me like a pork tenderloin being burned, <laughs> and <laughs> and later on he like flashes back to that shot like when he's thinking about all the stuff he's like trying to 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 what he's fighting for. Um, but it just struck me, Patrick, that you know one man's trash is another man's treasure, and uh, this kind of boring, indistinguishable middle class existence that a lot of people might describe as hellish. <laughs> uh, Anthony Mackie's character of John Doe is like, whoa, like I'm willing to risk my life for that. You know, I guess in the post-apocalypse, like that looks yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like, I was just like, wow, like this is literally some people's hell uh, that Anthony Mackie is actually aspiring to in the show. Well, and my uh, what has become like an ongoing like sub bit in the show, and so I look forward to every time a plate of food is put in front of Anthony Mackie yeah, because yeah. his reaction to it every time is like food with seasoning, as like, as like <laughs> and like he does that with the pork chop. He does that when Sweet Tooth makes these surprisingly good like uh, 
steak that I think is like made from the the lions, a couple of uh, like floors uh, above. And like every time he responds to some food, uh, I think it's an extension of what you're talking about. It's just like, ah, having like something boring and banal. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that <laughs> wouldn't be the that life? Be, really, really puts your whole life in, into perspective, huh, Patrick? It does. You know? it really, does. really makes you grateful to be able to record podcasts with a, <laughs> a skeleton, a skeleton on your coffee table, you know? Like, I know. Hey, hey look, I may be in the boring suburban life, but I got a skeleton on my coffee table behind mm-hmm. me. So I, you know, and a 12 foot one outside. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I try to spice up my, uh, my boring suburban life. <laughs> Well, you can find Patrick Klepik's other work at Remap Radio, uh, available wherever podcasts can be downloaded, and check out his Substack at patrickklepik.substack.com. And of course, check out more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Let us know what you thought of Twist, uh, Twisted Metal, decodingtv at gmail.com. Consider becoming a paid member at decodingtv.com to support this podcast. He is Patrick Klepik. I am David Chen. Until next time, we're covering the rest of the season of Twisted Metal. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.